Welcome to the Urban Grace Weekly Podcast. Urban Grace is an inclusive ecumenical church in the heart of downtown Tacoma, Washington, that seeks to be a spiritual home for folks from all sorts of backgrounds. We've been committed to downtown Tacoma since 1883. And today, that looks like a vibrant worshiping community located in a bustling, historic church that functions like a community center for about 20 different arts organizations, Christian ministries, and social service organizations that use our building throughout the week. This podcast is an audio recording of our weekly sermons. You may notice that I occasionally pause for laughter that seems out of context. That's likely because our PowerPoint is showing, I don't know, the head of Jesus photoshopped onto the body of Steven Seagal or some equally cheesy joke that has to be experienced in person, which honestly is just a bad segue to say, hey, come check us out Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. at the corner of 9th and Market. And of course, there are more details at urbangrace.org. Lastly, we had some delay putting sermons online uh, throughout the fall, so this spring we'll be mixing in some sermons that never made it online in addition to our weekly podcast. Thanks, and enjoy. Good morning, and happy Easter. Our Easter Sunday scripture proclamation comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words, and and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen clothes by themselves. Then he went home, amazed at what had happened. The word of the Lord. Will you please pray with me? Loving and gracious God, we give you thanks for your presence in our lives, your presence that surrounds us and dwells inside of us and saturates all creation. We pray that we will feel and experience your presence this morning and we will hear your word to us. Amen. 
Well, here we are. It's, it's Easter morning, which is super exciting because Easter is like the most important day of the Christian year. Easter is, is the day we celebrate resurrection and new life. Easter is like the one day we have a choir. We've never had a choir, but it's Easter, you know. Easter's the day you have a choir. <laughs> Easter is also the day that we pretend that we live in the South, right? We, we find our fanciest pastel, and then we all go to church. <laughs> because, yeah, like, when was the last time I wore a suit to church? And usually wear, like, maybe my dress flannel. Uh, we don't... We don't do fancy pastels in the Pacific Northwest, except on Easter, right? Is Easter's, a, Easter's a little bit weird. We can say that. I mean, 2,000 years ago, a criminal was killed. And because of this, this one guy, millions of people around the world have this massive celebration and we do things that would be absolutely weird if they didn't happen on Easter. Like, like in America, we make our president take pictures with a creepy-looking rabbit on Easter. <laughs> right? and, and I'm not just begging on George W. They all did it. Like, because they had to? Like... I guess that's your job when you're the president on Easter. But, but even that might be less weird than New Zealand, where they have the Easter celebration of a competition over who can shoot the most rabbits. I mean, they, it's an invasive species, it's okay, I guess. Or, or Papua New Guinea, they, they decorate their church with tobacco leaves and cigarettes that are handed out after church, because, you know, Jesus Christ was risen today, I don't know. <laughs> or this is, this is my favorite one. Obviously, I did a lot of research for this sermon this week. Um, is in Czech Republic, actually Slovakia, in that area of Central Europe. <laughs> they make a special whip called a pomlazka, and then on Easter morning, men run around and, like, spank women with it? We said, What? What is going on with Easter? It, it seems that Easter's changed a little bit in the last 2,000 years. There, there is a distinct lack of bunnies or cigarettes in the text. And in fact, I'm not sure that anybody's even like celebrating in, in the story. Our first Easter morning begins with a group of women going to the tomb to care for their friends, for their friend's dead body. And, like, it's not a celebration. They're, they're grieving. But they don't find their friend. They find an empty tomb. And, you know, two, these two men approach them and say that Jesus is risen. And, and the women, they do, they tell the disciples, but the disciples don't believe him. Our text says that it was, uh, they believed it was an idle tale. Um, and, and that phrase, idle tale, that's a, a sanitized version of the Greek word that means something like garbage 
or trash or something I'm not supposed to say from the pulpit on Easter morning. Basically, the disciples insult the women for suggesting something as ridiculous as resurrection. Like, and Peter doesn't ever really seem to believe the women until he goes to see for, his, for himself. And then our story ends with Peter realizing that the women were telling the truth all along. And he's amazed, right? And that's the Easter story. There's no celebration. There's sadness, confusion, insults, doubts, and amazement. So how do we get from a morning filled with doubt and sadness to like this? <laughs> right? The, how, how do we go from a sad story and turn it into the happiest day of the Christian year? The, the easy answer is resurrection. Like today, we celebrate more than this particular story. We celebrate that Jesus Christ was risen from the dead. We celebrate the promise of new life. That's the easy answer. And I think it's accurate for, for many of us who, for whom this story gives us hope in the resurrection and new life. But the easy answer is also sort of the hard answer. Because none of us were there. We didn't see Jesus come back from the dead. And we cannot prove to ourselves or anyone else that resurrection is possible. And then I think on on top of just the, the, the facts and the fact that we weren't there, I, I think many of us were taught there's... There's only one acceptable way to respond to this story. We are told that you're supposed to hear this story, that uh, you're supposed to be certain that this story is historically accurate, and then once we're certain, the story will change our lives. Like, and, I, and I know that that's the, the case for some of us. Some of us heard the story. Some of us believed the story. Some of us were just sort of instantly transformed and changed by the story. Some of us, but not all of us. I mean, not me. I, I'd actually, I've been a pastor for like 10 years. And in those early years, Easter was, was the hardest sermon I would preach all year. And, and I think it's, it's because I thought that believing in the resurrection required, like, a certainty about a history I didn't live and a certainty about a future I couldn't know. So I, like, I believed in resurrection, but it didn't change my life because it was this, this ancient mystery that just existed in this far-off past, it, at least until I saw resurrection happening all around me. And I think slowly, probably by being in community with people, I began to see that resurrection is something so much bigger 
than what happened to one man on one day 2,000 years ago. Resurrection is the promise of new life on both sides of the grave, and, and new life is all around us. Like We are constantly being made new from our very cells, shedding and regenerating themselves, to like the deepest patterns of our lives. There's new life happening all the time. But, but it usually starts out really small, and it's hard to believe in. But when new life shows up, we usually find ourselves responding like the women, well, actually, pretty much like everyone in our story. Because no one in the story had an instant response where they suddenly knew resurrection is possible. Not at all. You know, when the women arrive at the tomb, they don't actually see new life. They don't actually see Jesus. They just see emptiness. But they also see that there should have been death. And on this day, there was not. It's a small beginning, but, but they trust that small beginning enough to allow the messengers to guide them through their confusion and doubt, and they trust enough to overcome the insults of the disciples. But, but this is a story of doubt. Even though the resurrection was happening all around them and, and new life was breaking forth. And, and I think that's how resurrection usually shows up in our lives. Resurrection is almost impossible to believe in at first. Like, because, I don't know, we, we know good people die. Prophets emerge and the state kills them. We lose those we love. And what's dead stays dead. That's just how it is. So when we have death in our lives, it, it's so hard to believe that new life is possible. When we've lived a kind of way, when we've believed things about ourselves, believed things about the world, and believed things about God... It's hard to accept that any other way is possible. We doubt we can overcome our flaws. We doubt we can repair a broken relationship. We doubt our world will ever get better. And even when we want to believe, it seems like we doubt ourselves, and the world around us is doubting us. Because new life is almost always accompanied by doubt. Because new life almost always starts out small and tender and vulnerable. You know, I, I once had a roommate who was going through rehab. And, and those first days of sobriety felt so tender, so vulnerable. He, he struggled to believe that his life could ever really change. And even as I sat there encouraging him, I heard that skeptical voice in my head telling me not to believe. Because right? it felt 
too vulnerable. It felt too unlikely that things would be different this time and new life would survive. And it turns out it did. That was the beginning of a beautiful new chapter of his life. But, but in, in the beginning, new life is almost always small and vulnerable. So it takes courage to thrive. New life takes time, takes community. And in our story, it takes memory. When the messengers come to the women, they tell them to remember the good times with Jesus. Remember the hard times and remember the promise of new life. And then right after that, the next verse, it says that then the women remembered and they go and spread the good news that Jesus is risen. It it appears that the women believe in the resurrection because they remember. They remember good times and bad. They remember the trauma of Jesus' death and how they survived. It seems they take strength from their memory and dare to believe that new life is happening all around them. And I think that same type of memory helps us the same way that it helped the women. Like, we remember that life's been different before, and it can be different again. We remember the love we've received along the way. We remember the awful stuff, like the the trauma in our lives that we've survived. And from our survival, we draw power and, and courage to believe that new life is possible again. But, but I think new life needs community to flourish, or it certainly helps it. Uh, the women needed those messengers to encourage them, and I think we need something similar. On, on Tuesday, I was actually having lunch with a group of pastors, and so we were talking about new life, or about memory in our lives and memory in the text, and started sharing stories of therapists who kindly reminded us that we had... It hadn't always been as bad as we remembered. And and my friend Chris shared a story about his mother's slow decline into dementia. He said the biggest problem was that she had stopped remembering herself. And she misremembered herself unkindly. She only knew herself as a manifestation of her darkest memories. So so my friend Chris and his siblings saw that it was their job to to help help her remember herself more kindly. They, They provided the memories that her disease had robbed her of. And we need to remember, or we, and we need others to help us remember that we're so much more than the traumas of our past. And, and I sort of like bring this all up because I think it's really true when it comes to our spiritual lives. Like pretty much everyone I know who's spent much time in church has had an experience of feeling shame about their spiritual life. Like, maybe it was because they never lived up to expectations. 
or they were told or we were told that God only loved us if we acted a certain way or we were told we weren't welcome because of our body or our sexuality and, and like our spirituality is such a deeply personal thing and, and those feelings of shame can be so destructive that it's really hard to do that work of rebuilding of finding new life again it, it's hard to do without community and I see the, the benefits of this kind of community all the time at, at Urban Grace. I, I have the honor of watching people's spiritual lives be transformed because they found a community that could hold them as they remembered their trauma and support them as they began to believe that new life was possible again. And it, this, this shows up in all kinds of places. I mean, in, in funny ones even. Like the first one that jumped into my head was uh, like someone singing a, a cheesy 90s worship song, because we sometimes do that here. Um, and in that process, remembering that the, the evangelical zeal of their youth, that actually contained something beautiful and maybe even something that can be revisited without the anger. Now that they can sit and, you know, sing, Lord, I lift your name on high while holding hands with their queer partner. Or just like the realization that, that kids can come to church and be noisy and we can welcome folks struggling with mental illness and families and old folks and people experiencing homelessness and whomever else walks in and Together, we, we can make room for one another. And we can learn from one another. And, and sometimes, new life, uh, at least it, that I see in our community, is as simple as someone who's been away from church for a while. Being welcomed back without any guilt or shame, no matter what they believe or who they are. It, it's like a vulnerable belief there's a spiritual community saving a seat for you, waiting to celebrate the beautiful person you are. But, but those, are, those, are, those are big things to believe. And it takes community to hold us and to help us remember and believe that new life is possible. But it's been in that community that I've seen and experienced resurrection, new life springing up all around us, calling us to, to trust that God is still doing new things. And, and that's, that's the story of our lives and the story of our gospel, where, where this group of faithful women go into the darkness, and, and they're, they're going to mourn the end of everything they've ever known. But, but death is missing and resurrection breaks into their lives, even though it's almost too much to believe. Because believing in new life is almost, almost always too much to believe. But, but these messengers, they help the women remember. And the women do remember. They run to the disciples, and that leads to this new spiritual community. And, well, now, 2,000 years later... Here we are, living out the new life they dared to believe in.
So friends, I would just simply say, be brave. Dare to believe in the new life springing up around you and within you. Because a resurrection is all around us. Amen. I'm Abigail, and I'm here to share with you a little poem about a moment when I was sitting with some friends telling stories, and none of them seemed true. The thing that seemed true was that the windows were too clean, and there were birds outside, and they thought they could get through the windows. It's called Bird Song Story. Stories beating at invisible boundaries like birds against the window and I wait, wishing the bird would break the glass even if it meant the body and wings entered torn and bloody because perhaps then we will lift it from the ground, hold it gently, and love its soft body knowing. If we do this, it will sing again. Will the ushers please come forward? Please pray with me. Precious Lord, on this Easter morning, open the sepulcher of our hearts and bless the gifts that we have to offer with the courage and the faith that those gifts will be consecrated and magnified for the building up of your kingdom within and without our hearts. Amen. <laughs> 